You're listening to Tan Van Tour Talk with the boys. Season 5, episode 1. Let's go ahead and kick this off with the our routine segment, the lay of the van. I am driving. I'm Mike. I'm driving today. And that's it. Uh, it's just me. It's just me in the van. I am St. Louis bound for a couple of solo shows this weekend. One in St. Louis, one in Champaign. I don't do these solo shows very often. Just thought it would be a good change of pace. Now, of course, as I drive to the show, I'm second-guessing that. Uh, I think it'll be fine. I had some real encouragement after uh, the last solo show I did in Bloomington. Some of my friends said some very nice things about it. So that made me want to do a couple more. I'm pretty much doing the same set that I did at that Bloomington show with Mount Erie. Uh, these shows this weekend will be with Advance Bass, Owen Ashworth, good friend. He'll be on the show tomorrow, let me tell you that. You only have to sit through one of these that's just me, probably. Uh, tomorrow, Owen will be on the show for the full hour, or ish, <laughs> you know. Uh, and then Sunday... We'll either have a day off from the show, or I've got a couple folks on standby if I can figure out logistically how to do a call-in with just me. I need to warn you right off the bat here that uh, I've been suffering from a pretty severe head cold this week. So I'm currently uh, sucking on a lozenge. Uh, menthol thing and uh, also a little stuffy in the nose not too bad but you might hear me sniff every once in a while (laughs) about like that Uh, it's been a weird day I uh hang on sorry I'm trying to I got a traffic building up behind me I'm not going very fast You might ask yourself, Mike, is it dangerous uh, recording this podcast while driving a car and by yourself? The answer is yes. And that's because that's what the rock and roll lifestyle is all about. Danger and excitement. And that's the only way I live. Dangerously. Excitedly. I try to remain excited at all times. Uh, the reason I was saying it's a little bit weird of a day I, I procrastinated a little bit in preparing for this tour mostly because of the cold I think the head cold but uh, tour I say tour it's two shows 
tour of the of Illinois and the tip of Missouri. Uh, I procrastinated a little more than usual. Usually I don't like to do that in my daily life, procrastinate. I like to nip things in the bud as right as they come along. TCB. That's my middle name. But this time, it's because I was a little sick. I was also just busy with stuff, life and stuff. Uh, so, I procrastinated and put things... I, I rehearsed a couple times. I practiced through the set in spite of the cold. But then I just needed to get the merch put together. I needed to pack up the gear. I didn't do any laundry. And this whole time I'm thinking, it's just a short trip. It's just a quick trip. I don't need to over... I don't need to overthink it. Well, instead I didn't think it at all. So now I'm just feeling like I must have forgotten something or left something undone before I left that needed to be done and taken care of before I left. I think everything's fine, but... It's just that weird feeling, you know, that nagging... That sort of sense of nagging you get on the back of your mind. Like you left the oven on or left the garage door open. I don't think I did that. The other day, get this, I woke up on uh, Wednesday morning. Our front door sticks a little bit at our house. You really have to kind of slam it shut. Sometimes it can be hard to open too, but most of the time... It just doesn't shut all the way unless you really pull it closed. But Wednesday, when it was like 10 degrees outside, I woke up, I was going to get Asa ready for school, for daycare. And uh, I walked out into the hall, and it was freezing in the house. Our bedroom was warm. I opened the door and walked into the hallway, and it was freezing cold. Then I noticed that I could hear the traffic going by. So I went uh, into the living room in my underpants, wandered into the living room, and the front door was standing wide open. So I immediately think there's a burglar in the house, and I'm just standing here essentially nude, and what am I going to do? What am I going to do when this robber jumps out with a lead pipe? Or worse, he had a knife. Or, uh, you know, any kind of weapon. And I'm unprepared. And I'm vulnerable. Thank God that wasn't the case. Uh, Jess, when she left for work, hadn't quite pulled the door closed enough. And it blew back open with the frigid wind. So everybody was okay. Closed the door. Furnace was working overtime. Got back on track. This feels like a little bit of a of a cheat that I'm even doing the show today like this. Typically, you know, the whole premise of Tan Van Tour Talk is that uh, it's a it's a it's a glimpse into the life 
of the touring rock band, the American successful American rock band. But uh, really, if you were just to jump in the van with me right now, well, if you were to if you were to jump in the van with me, I'd just talk to you. Probably, depending on who you are. But if you were to be a fly on the wall in the van right now, it would just be silent. Silent, I'd be brooding, I'd be thinking about uh, my regrets, all the ways in which uh, if I had chosen A instead of B at any particular crossroads in my life, how my life would be better now. But instead I chose, I made the choices I made, and so here I am now with you stuck here stuck with my choices with the consequences of my actions so that but that wouldn't make a very good show it would just mostly be silence with an occasional like sigh heavy sigh or groan so uh, in preparation for today's show now I'll, I'll tell you up front I don't know if this is going to be a full hour because I didn't prepare a lot. So this might be a short short episode. Um, this must be what Gene Shepard feels like. Or, uh, I don't know, some other, like Howard Stern. I guess Howard Stern has other people in the room with him. I guess I'm just getting to know what it feels like to be one of these radio superstars who just, Dan Carlin, maybe this is what Dan Carlin feels like. You guys know him? Hardcore History. This today's episode of Tan Van Tour Talk is brought to you by Hardcore History with Dan Carlin. I highly recommend listening to the Prophets of Doom episode of Hardcore History. If you like podcasts, of course you do. You're listening to this one. If you've gotten this deep into listening to podcasts that you've that you've submitted yourself to Tan Van Tour Talk. And you probably already know Dan Carlin, but if you don't, of course you love podcasts. I highly recommend Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. Oh, but what I was saying is, uh, in preparation for today's show, yesterday... Oh, one other thing. I feel like a new man. I'm feeling free and alive today. I feel energized. And that's because, speaking of podcasts, I deleted the serial podcast from my podcast app. And I got that monkey right off my back. And I'm feeling good. My eyes are open. The scales have fallen off my eyes. I'm feeling good. I feel alive. Ready for new challenges ahead of me. Ready for new time wasters to seep into my life to replace that one. Uh, but what I was saying is, uh, I went on the internet, internet, internet. That's weird. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to sound too prim and proper, but internet is the word, but I said internet. 
internet. Uh, I went on the internet last night. I went on to twitter.com and I put out a call and, and facebook.com, twitter.com and facebook.com put out a call for questions so I could make this episode of Tan Van Tour Talk more of a Q&A than, than usual. Usually it's real conversational. Uh, today though, it's uh, just me in here. I got some heartburn flaring up a little. I get a Zantac. Ugh. Falling apart here. I got the head cold. I got this heartburn thing. I ate a piece of pizza before I left. Pepperoni pizza. That's probably what did it. I do have some water here, but I'm also driving and holding a microphone. So I'm either going to have to let go of the steering wheel to get a drink of water or the microphone to get a drink of water. Uh, I've chosen here to let go of the steering wheel. I'm driving with no hands currently. I have a microphone in my left hand and a bottle of water in my right hand. Listen. That was a drink of water. So now I'm back on the wheel, back in business, feeling safe. I've got one hand at 12. Usually they say 10 and 2, but since I've just got one hand, I've got it right at 12. Sort of doing that thing where I have my palm on the steering wheel so I can swivel around without having to, like, turn my wrist. You know what I'm talking about? So I put out a call for questions last night, and I got actually a great response on twitter.com slash m-i-c-d-a-d-a-m that's at m-i-c-d-a-d-a-m mcdadam that's the uh those letters together m-i-c-d-a-d-a-m that's the first three letters of my first name my middle initial and the first four letters of my last name that was given to me by Indiana University when I enrolled there in 2001 as my username, my login username for their system. Uh, And I've just kept, yeah, I've been using it ever since. Just keep using it. I get a little self-conscious now that I am actually a dad. I worry that people think it's somehow a weird pun or something, but really... It's just what I was assigned. It's what was given to me. I had no control over that. Sorry for all the sniffles. It's kind of gross. Uh, so, I figure what we'll do, we'll jump into a new segment. Uh, well, I guess it's not a new segment. We've done this before, but... We're going to jump into the segment of the show that's called... Hey... Uh, why don't you ask me something? We'll see what uh, makes me think about for an answer to a question. I got quite a list here, actually. I, and I'm going to ask them uh, chronologically, or thereabouts anyway, because uh, there were a couple of repeats, so I kind of stacked those up together. Or things that were in the same vein. So I sort of... Uh, combined those, but 
for the most part, these are chronological. Uh, the first, the first user submitted question, listener submitted question, comes from David W. David W. writes, Mike, is it a struggle to write lyrics? Are there any impactful practices that help you write? What about particular reading? Good question, David. Thanks for submitting it. Um, is it a struggle to write lyrics? Sometimes, sometimes it's a struggle to write lyrics. I, I'm the kind of person, usually, typically, that uh, I wait for my muse to come around and whisper in my ear before I do anything. I have to pretty much feel inspired before I can get some work done artistically. Before I can write music or words or do pretty much anything. I just gotta be feeling it, really feeling it. And then usually in those times, it comes pretty quickly. Uh, one thing that's a little bit tough to answer about this question is that I don't consider myself particularly good at writing lyrics. So, is it a struggle? No, it's not really a struggle, but are my lyrics any good? I don't think they are. Or at least, I don't know. I don't think of them that way. Typically, I'm just trying to say something. And if I can feel within myself that I've said that thing, then I consider them a success and I move on. But I don't, I wouldn't consider myself much of a poet. Also as a listener to music, I rarely pay attention to lyrics at all. Uh, sometimes a line will jump out at me or a, a turn of phrase will jump out at me when I'm listening to someone and I'll say, wow, that's really, that's a good lyric. It's a good line. But for the most part, uh, and the opposite happens too, where someone will sing something and I'll just be like, oh God, ugh, that's a bad lyric. But 90% of the time, they're just lyrics in there and they're holding the melody out for me and that's what I'm really interested in. I do like some lyrics, but that's typically my listening mode. And so therefore, I think that sort of tends to be my writing mode as well, or at least that's my perspective when I'm writing. I don't put a lot of importance on the lyrics, though I don't, I don't put a lot of the importance on the lyrics being a great poem, though I do put a lot of importance on the lyrics saying what I want to say. Um, I Lately I've noticed that I have a little bit of a problem with mixing metaphors and uh, saying too much right out front without extrapolating or painting a good picture. I like when, it, I like imagery. I like, um, I like being able to draw a picture or create an image with lyrics that is not um, necessarily literal, but that can conjure up the same 
sort of feeling, or at least a relatable feeling, for what I'm singing about. So I've been trying to get better at that lately. That's pretty, pretty actively trying to get better about that. I just finished writing lyrics for the new record, the new Honest Wait album. I'm feeling pretty good about them at this point. Uh, I started recording lyrics this week and have even been making some changes on the fly after having sat, sat down to write them all kind of in a big chunk, which I'd never done that before either. Uh, are there any impactful practices that help you write? I'm not a very disciplined writer in that I don't have a routine or anything. Like, I, I envy those kind of folks that can, uh, they like wake up in the morning and it's like, first things first, I'm going into my prayer closet to write for a while, do some devos, just write my thoughts down. I'm just not that disciplined. Uh, or at least I'm not disciplined in that way, but I do envy that. But, that being said, I do tend to keep uh, a notepad on me. I have a little notebook that I carry around in my shirt pocket pretty much all the time. Uh, and I just like, I doodle in there, which I, I think goes hand in hand with the writing for me because it just gets my mind loose just like doodling and drawing little pictures keeps keeps me from getting stale in the brain uh, I think but beyond that I also just write down anytime a little turn of phrase or just a little uh, metaphors or even just a couple words that I like the sound of together I'll jot them down in, in the notebook Usually it's not even a complete sentence, it's just a couple words or whatever. I also, on my phone, I use the smartphone, the uh, Apple iPhone, uh, for like daily use, uh, for to alleviate boredom, to make phone calls, to look up information, to record podcasts like this one, uh, to get directions to places, to find out if a restaurant's any good. I use the Apple iPhone. And I keep a, there's an app on the Apple iPhone that's, today's a, a podcast is brought to you by the Apple iPhone. Get them now. The iStore, I, I, I the Apple Store. Um, there's an app on the uh, Apple iPhone that's, I forget if it's called Notepad or Notes or something like that. But anyway, the point is I keep a list in there too. Same deal. Just little things I want to remember uh, for later. But things that are pretty fleeting, typically. Um, I like to write, jot them down. And then, then when I'm writing lyrics, a lot of times, when I'm working on a song, typically I've got the melody pretty well laid out. Not, not completely, but more or less laid out. Uh... So I need to plug words in there, but I like when they can be meaningful. So I work pretty hard to 
jam meaning into this melodic structure that I've that I've already laid out for myself. Uh, and then I'll go through while I'm writing. I like to sit. I have a studio at home. I sit in there in the evening, typically when it's time to write. And uh, I'll listen to the song, or I'll sit with a guitar and just play the song over and over again, and just try to jar something loose. I'll I'll go through the notebooks and just see if anything I've jotted down relates to whatever the subject matter is that I've decided to sing about. Um, or sometimes I'll assign meaning to those things. I like when that can happen. Like if I've jo- you know I've written something down just because I liked the sound of it or I liked the uh, what it meant to me at the time or whatever and a lot of times I forget those things but uh, I like it when I can reinterpret those little notes into meaning something else they always seem more important to me that way Um, and David also finally asks about uh, what about particular reading Oh, real quick, before we get too far, I should say this. When uh, when I was working on Best of Boiler Room Classics, after I handed it off to Adam to, to mix it and do his thing to it, do the magic, I spent the, that time, I was still working, I spent that time, I, I made a field guide. One time... Uh, I, when I was in a band a few years ago, my cousin came to a show of ours, and I had written a song about our hometown, our mutual hometown. And after the show, my cousin came up to me, and he said, Hey, Mike, he doesn't see our shows very often. He's a musician himself, but in a different world than I'm in. We we are, uh, I think we appreciate each other, but we exist in different worlds musically. But he came up to me and said, uh, Hey, I noticed you sang that song about our hometown and it was really nice and he was pointing to things in the song that stood out to him as like touchstones that he was familiar with and he said I didn't know you sang about things I thought you just said words now he meant that in a kind way and I took it as a constructive criticism that uh, I should be a little more obvious maybe about the fact that, because I can write pretty abstractly, but maybe I should spend some more time painting pictures. So, that being said, well, let me say this. All the songs I write, every song I've ever written, has been pretty specifically about something. There's a handful out there that are just garbage, gobbledygook, uh, you know, nonsense, abstract nonsense. Those can still be nice, but 90% of the tunes I've written have been about something. Pretty specifically, usually. So, while Adam was working on finishing up Boiler Room Classics, I actually wrote, I uh, filled a whole notebook uh, writing the lyrics down for Boiler Room Classics and going line by line and making this field guide that was a line by line explanation of what these songs are specifically about what they mean, what the images mean how the different images relate in the in earlier parts of the song to the later parts of the song 
Uh, and I just went through the entire record and just explained every single song. And I was going to release that with the album. I was going to release this little f- field guide, this sort of pocket, you know, uh, almanac to the record. But ultimately I didn't do that because uh, of a couple things. One, once the record was actually done, things moved really quickly and because we, we got it out quick once Adam was finished with it. And that was necessary. Uh, number two, after working on it for so long, the idea sort of waned on me. I wasn't feeling it as much. Uh, and finally, and the most important reason, is that some of the stuff ended up being a little too personal. There were a couple things where it was just like, I don't think I want this getting out as clearly as I've written it down here into the world. Not because it wouldn't upset anyone, but because it might change my relationships with some people. Loved ones. Maybe even for the better, who knows. But I just wasn't up, I wasn't up for the challenge of having to answer for my own thoughts. If that makes sense. I don't know if it does. Maybe someday I'll leak a few of those out. Or maybe I'll censor them. Maybe I can edit them in a way to where the ideas get across, but I don't have to name names. Maybe I'll revisit that sometime soon. I don't know. Maybe I will. Oh, but, uh, what about particular reading? No particular reading. Um, I like to keep reading pretty regularly in general. And I'm always inspired by the things I'm reading. Uh, but in terms of writing, I don't know for sure what my influences are. I, I really couldn't say. Uh, I mostly read John Steinbeck. That's the thing I read the most. That or Shel Silverstein. I read a lot of. We read Shel Silverstein almost nightly before we put Asa to bed. I like him a lot. I'm a big fan. But I don't think I'd necessarily recommend those or point to those things as like, this is going to make you a writer. So with all that said, David, thanks for the question. I hope that gives you some insight into my MO. I happen to know who David is, and David himself is a very good lyricist. So I'm a little... I'm wondering a little bit why he's even asking me this question because he probably just wanted me to say that. He probably just, this was probably just a roundabout way to try to get me to compliment him and say how good he is at writing, which is true. He is very good. So, David, you got me. If you're out there. I've been had. Fool me once. Uh, On to the next question. This one was a repeat, kind of. There's sort of the superficial version, and then there's more of an in-depth version. So here goes. 
Shell and Jeff both write, well, Shell writes, seriously, your honest weight? I assume she wants to know how much I weigh in pounds or stone, kilograms. Uh, and then Jeff says uh, he wants to know the origin behind the band name. Like, do you slash, did you have a habit of lying about your weight at some point in time? So I think those are pretty much the same question. They're just asked from different angles. So, the specific one, what is my weight? My honest to God weight for Shell? Well, Shell. Shelly? Shell? It's gotta be Shell. Uh, I tend to fluctuate. I, um... The seasons affect it because I stay more active, of course, when it's nicer outside. When it's cold, I like to sit and eat sweets. Put on that hibernation weight to sustain me through the winter. But, uh, yeah, I, go, I fluctuate between 220 and 240 usually. Just hovering back and forth kind of all the time. Hope that's not too bad for me. I'm also not, I'm not, uh, I don't work out yet. That might be a surprise. That might come as a surprise to a lot of you. But I don't particularly, uh, it's back to that discipline thing. I don't have a real workout regimen, though I do like to stay active. I like to be on my feet a lot. I like to walk around. I like to pick up real heavy things. Lift them up, even over my head sometimes. I like to lift people off the ground occasionally. I like to grab someone around the waist and just pick them up off the ground. And, uh, that way we can determine my dominance of the situation in a friendly way, but I just like to make it known who's in the driver's seat, you know? That's how I like to establish a relationship. Um... But yeah, 220, 240, it just fluctuates between there, year-round, back and forth. Uh, is that a surprise? Did you think it'd be more or less? I'm a tall guy with broad shoulders. But skinny little legs. So it could be, I mean, it's all over. Yeah, I don't know what people think. Uh, so that's the answer to that. But on to Jeff's version of the question. Uh, can you explain the origin behind the band name? Like, do you, did you, have a habit of lying about your weight at some point in time? The answer to that, Jeff, is no. Uh, I've never been much of a liar or dishonest person. Uh, or very insecure. I've got my insecurities, same as anyone, but I've never been too insecure to uh, have to lie about my weight personally. So, it's, you know, there was a time when I was pretty heavy. Uh, I'd say 2001 to, into 2002. I was wearing husky britches and uh, had long hair and a big fat face, kind of. And then I got off the campus meal plan, was on my own, struggling, working at the hardware store, struggling to survive and uh, walking more 
to class and whatnot from my new apartment. And I lost a lot of weight that way. It's a story of my weight life. Um, but the band name, which I'll go on record here as saying I'm not crazy about it. I've had a few people recently say that they liked it. Which I appreciate very much, because that's a, that helps me to not sweat it so much. But, uh, really, I'm not crazy about it. It was meant, uh, so, I made the first Honest Weight record as, as an aside. It was meant to be a one-off, it was meant to be a, I wasn't even going to play shows. I had another band going at the time, so when Jared said he wanted to release it on Flannel Graph, uh, we needed a name for it, and I didn't want to just call it Mike Adams, because I don't feel like it's too much of like a singer-songwriter coffee shop music, no offense, coffee lovers, uh, type of record. You know, it's like a, it's like a fully realized production, arrangement. So I didn't just want to be like Mike Adams. Also, that's a boring name. Mike, the most common name in the universe. Adams. I don't know. It's got, I don't know. It's just boring. It's plain. Uh, so, a uh, couple things went into the honest weight part. I didn't want to give it just a band name. I didn't want to call it Buffalo Tusk or whatever, you know, the band would have been called. The Millipeters. Uh, but uh, because I was already in that other band, I didn't want to compete. I didn't want it to seem like I had a new band. I just wanted it to be very clear that it was like a solo type thing different than the band. It held a different place. Around my hometown, there's a barbecue restaurant that I really like and a sushi joint that is pretty good. Both of those places have Toledo scales in them. I don't know what those are for. They look like they're for feed. Like you wave horses feed on them or something. Some kind of livestock thing. I don't really know. They're recognizable. They're very tall with a big scale and a big round face. And then the at the they're probably five feet tall, four and a half feet tall. And then at the base is the is the actual scale itself where you stand or put the stuff. And each of these restaurants had one of those in their foyer. And uh, on the back side, they say honest weight. And I just liked that. I liked that. I liked... So it's a solo effort that I'm doing, this solo record. And it's like, well, this is the measurement of what I can do. Musically and artistically. This is what I'm capable of. It's, it's, it's a glimpse into the, what I can actually accomplish myself. So that, that was that element of it. Also, uh, way back when, 
in the year 2001, two and three, I had a band with some friends of mine called the Bailey Frequency. Now you might hear that name and think, Mike, that sounds like the name of an emo band. And I would have to say, and? It was kind of an emo band, that's my point. But whatever, what are you gonna do? Uh, there was a lyric that I wrote in one of those songs, a song I did not write. Uh, my pal Tim wrote it. But I wrote a lyric that I sang in the song. And the lyric was, My worth, my weight. And for some reason that lyric stuck with me over the years. It just, uh... The idea of something being uh, determined valuable by how much it weighed is an interesting thought to me. It's interesting against like, you know, what's this worth? Oh, it's worth $25. What's this bowling ball worth? It's worth $25. But there are some things where it's like, Is this, is this diamond any good? Well, sir, that's a 14 karat gold diamond you're holding right there. And to me, that's interesting. It's like, oh, you're not even telling me what it's worth. Of course, that's probably because of the markets and things very wildly. But I like the idea that that thing, the weight of it, is what matters. The weight is what determines the worth. 14 karat gold. 12 karat diamond. Uh, 40 kilos of pure cocaine, a dime bag of weed, those are drug references, I think. But I just like that, uh, that lyric plays in my head over and over again, my worth, my weight. I also like to think of it in terms of, not my physical weight, but, uh, my weight in terms of... Um, what have I accomplished, you know? What have I, what have I given to the world? What have I left behind? Next question is, um, can you talk about some specific, this is still, uh, Jeff. Can you talk about some specific reference points in terms of how the latest record sounds? my ears, it's very Phil Spector or Brian Wilson. Though there's also lyrical nods to The Cure. Can you discuss how apparent or hidden you try to make your influences? Uh, well, Jeff, actually, uh, I appreciate those things. Uh, Phil Spector, Brian Wilson, The Cure, all folks I'm fans of. Except for Phil Spector's sort of violent streak there. He's got that murder charge on him and stuff that crazy hair. Brian Wilson, he's a little crazy. They say he's a genius. I love him. He's a nut. But, uh, you know, he did that whole thing where he stayed in bed for too long. And then uh, Robert Smith from The Cure also has crazy Phil spector hair. I like to keep my hair pretty well short and combed. Uh, 
I got a job and I'm a dad, you know, so it's like, I can't go around looking like a clown. I gotta, I need people to respect me, you know? Uh, I think I can't deny a Brian Wilson influence because I love the Beach Boys and I especially love Pet Sounds. And I like their early stuff as well. I like the surf and safari type stuff. I love that singing. My God, I love it. I've been a big fan of the Beach Boys since I was a little kid. So that stuff just bleeds into my idea of like how to put a melody together. None of this is very explicit. The Cure thing, uh, I'm not a huge Cure fan. Like I'm not like a fanatic, but I like that band. Uh, I like a lot of their songs a lot, but I don't know like the catalog, you know. That one somehow that that lyric just fit in there. Uh, maybe I had been listening to that. I'm not sure, but uh, that lyric just seemed to fit, and it just came to me. It wasn't really intentional, other than when I when it dawned on me, I did like it. Thanks, Jeff and, and Shell, for the questions, for submitting those questions. Next question is from Kurt F. And it says, like, what is life, man? Thanks, Kurt, for the question. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what life is. Biologically speaking, I don't know what causes us to be alive. Ah, man, the sun is in my eyes. I just, the highway just curved a little bit. I'm just getting blasted by the sun. Oh, let me put the visor down. That's a lot better. I don't know, man. Life. That's a big, I mean, I've only got 15 more minutes on this show. That seems like a tough one. I think life's a, a pleasure. Life is a pleasure. There's a lot of crummy things, but the thing about the crummy stuff is that it really, for me, it makes the good stuff that much better because it could all be crummy stuff. Some people's lives are probably mostly crummy, but even so, I would say, if you ask those people, you know, unless they're suffering from a mental illness, which is legitimate, believe me, uh, everyone has something that they can point to as a gift or a pleasure in life. And I don't know what it all means or where it all came from, but I do like it. I appreciate that I get, I get the chance to waller around in it. Uh, Zach C. Nope, Zach L wants to know, thanks Kurt F for the question, Zach L says, Mike, what's your favorite albums of 2014? Thanks Zach for the question, um, I'm not one to really keep lists, you know, the year end list thing, that is not my scene, I appreciate them, I like that some people do them, but I am not one of those folks, but... I can give you a list of records I've been enjoying this year that have come out this year. 
I saw this question last night, so I had a little time to think about it. So I'll talk about a handful of things. Uh, one thing is uh, the lees of memory, that's L-E-E-S of memory, the lees of memory, have a new record called Sisyphus Says that I can't recommend enough. That is uh, two of the fellows from Super Drag, which is a band I happen to love very much. Uh, it's their new project, which is catchy and shoegazery and heavy and loud and cool, but also just really nice, beautiful songs. Uh, yeah, that's on Side One Dummy. <laughs> can't recommend it enough. I've listened to that record a ton. It just came out recently. Uh, beyond that, the new Glass Ghost album called Life, L-Y-F-E. It's on the Western Vinyl label. I really like that. I've been a fan of that band for a long time, and I've been anticipating a new record. I, I've, uh, they're one of those bands I've been just kind of like chomping at the bit to hear some new stuff. Finally, a new one came out this year, and it's great. It does not disappoint. It's really, uh, Elliot Krimsky is the singer's name. He's got an interesting voice, uh, that's unique. His songwriting is really good. It's really groovy. It's really kind of funky and groovy, but also nerdy in a way, in a way that's kind of like, it's not cool. It's not like, I don't feel like, like, uh, Superfly or something when I listen to it. It's like, kind of, kind of, uh, I don't know, it's just a little nerdy, but super funky still, and beautiful, just, this new record in particular, it's very orchestrated and well arranged, and catchy songs, and it's really sweeping, and bright, and big, it's very good. Uh, a couple more beyond that that I've been into this year is, uh, the new Nick Kurgovich album, On Sunset, uh, which he self-released on his own label, is great. I highly recommend it. Nick, of course, is from No Kids. I met him as a member of Mount Erie, and he has also played with Advance Bass. And I've hung out with him a little bit uh, when he's been with Advance Bass. And his new record, On Sunset, I can't recommend enough. It's another one that's really big. It's also funky and dancey. Less nerdy, more real funk on that one more real grooves on it, uh, real deep grooves, uh, beautiful songs, he's Canadian, I think he got some of that Canadian grant money to make that record, which is cool, uh, and you can tell that a lot of work and a lot of thought went into it, great record, highly recommended, that's Nick, Nicholas Kurgovich. Uh, and then beyond that, I've been real into the new Have a Nice Life record on the Flenser label. It's called The Unnatural World. It's kind of dark and heavy and a little bit metal, a little bit emo, a little bit uh, like no wave. It's cool. It's a really weird and cool and lo-fi, dense record. It's sweet. And then finally, another record I've really been into this year so far is the self-titled record uh, by the Range of Light Wilderness, Range of Light Wilderness, on Gnome Life Records. 
it's just a really cool, it's lo-fi, folky little, uh, super catchy, nice melodies, really got a California feel to it, real, real vibey, Yeah, those are things I've been into lately, and there's a whole list of other things, but those are the ones that jump to mind. Uh, Addison says, Addison K says, Is Merciful Fate the most satanic band of all time? <coughs> now, I don't feel like an expert. I've only heard their album, Melissa. <laughs> and it's pretty evil. It's pretty... When it comes to just straight up hate I love to see you die and I love to feel you die and when you're down below the ground I'll dig up your body and make love to shame that's pretty dark right there uh, I learned from my friends Derek and Kurt that that is probably the most evil and satanic record of all time band of all time so yeah Addison Addison K K Addison C K is it C or K now I'm second guessing myself <laughs> I think it's a C <laughs> Addison C thanks for the question uh it's a C uh Thanks for submitting that question. Now we've got Dr. Davor asking, Muse on the official rock and roll canon, and is it even worth fussing with? That's another big one. That's almost as big as, uh, what's life, man? Uh, but Dr. Davor, uh, I would say it is worth fussing with. I'd, I wouldn't consider myself a student of rock, necessarily. But it has played a part in the things that I love, and there are rock records that I love. There are rock bands that I really love. In terms of official canon, uh, same deal with that list-making thing. It's like, I'm glad someone's doing it, mainly because it gives me something to compare and contrast my own thoughts and feelings with. So if someone comes and says, hey, Queen is the best rock and roll band of all time, then I can say, well, you can think that, and I see why you think that, but what about ELO? Because they're also great, and sometimes even better than Queen. And so you can have those kind of back and forth things, and you can do that. Someone can say, Bill Haley and his comments are the greatest rock and roll band of all time. And then, uh, you know, another person could say, but don't forget about Jerry Lee Lewis. Now, he might be too country for you to say he's the greatest rock and roll, you know, artist of all time, but he's definitely a rocker. I mean, you see him kicking that piano down and stomping those ivory keys off the keyboard. That's rock and roll, man. That's rock and roll. Moving kind of quick, we're running out of time. Uh, John H says, Mike, it's 3 a.m. 
you're driving and out of trucker speed. What's on the stereo to keep you from nodding off? Well, it just depends. I, I'll, I should make it known that I do have a habit of falling asleep at the wheel. Uh, I'm not proud of that, but I, it is a fact. Usually I'll put on some talk radio or something, because if I put on music, music soothes me. Music I use in life to soothe my troubled soul. So I usually put on some kind of, I don't know, Art Bell or something, some kind of real out there talk radio or a podcast or something. Just something that engages my mind in a different way that will keep me awake, hopefully. Um, yeah, so I try to do that if I'm dozing off. I'll put the windows down. I might put on a record from my youth that I can sing along to every word, you know, like uh, MXPX's Life in General or Saves the Days Through Being Cool. And just, you know, scream those lyrics into the air. Try to get my blood flowing. Thanks for the question, John. Jeanette L. asks... Why do you eat so many olives all the time? And the fact of the matter is, I hate olives. I wouldn't touch the things. Well, that's not true. I touch them every once in a while. I like the way they feel. I just hate the way they taste. Thanks, Jeanette. Uh, John H. comes back again and says, <clears throat> Mike, who's got the better burger? Westside Jiffy Treat in its prime or a Big Wally from Penguin Point? Now that's a really tough question because uh, they're so different. The Jiffy Treat Burger, if you're just talking about a burger, Jiffy Treats, I've gotta say, was better. Though they're now gone, defunct, out of business, rest in peace. But they had a thicker patty and it was a bigger burger. It was more of like a, felt more old fashioned somehow in a good way. All their fixings were good. It was big. It was a handful, and it tasted great. Love that Jiffy Treat burger, but it's pretty much a plain, normal hamburger. The Big Wally from Penguin Point is a fast food hamburger, so it's smaller. It's sort of a. It's a. It's built like a Big Mac kind of the McDonald's Big Mac. Today's episode of Tan Van Tour Talk brought to you by the McDonald's Big Mac. Two all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. Get one today in your Happy Meal. But that's it's kind of got, the Big Wally has a special sauce, which is like a weird, some kind of a tartar sauce anomaly. Two patties, cheese, uh, and three pieces of bread. But they also make the Super Wally, which are bigger patties, also comes with lettuce and tomato in addition to those other things. The Super Wally is the king of burgers. It's the thing I want to eat. It's the thing I love. So that's the answer, John. Is the Super Wally from Penguin Point is the winner. Uh, let's see. One more question here before we wrap things up for the day. Drew, Drew asks, is there such a thing as dressing in perma-drag? Like permanent drag? Would you consider going perma-drag as a promotional scheme, etc.? 
in an effort to be sensitive, Drew, I think there is something uh, akin to what you're referencing here, what you're asking about. Uh, in uh, there are people that dress what is socially considered the opposite or the other from their uh, inborn gender, or at least socially perceived inborn gender. So in that way, to answer your question, I'd say yes. There is permanent drag, though I, th I think that's a little, that's a misnomer, sort of just seizing your identity from society around you. But in terms of your question relating to me, would I dress in women's clothing uh, and consider going permanent with that as a promotional scheme? I don't think so. Although, I have more than once floated the idea of dressing in drag for Honest Weight shows, and the rest of the band is not on board, usually. Which leads me to believe that there is something inside of me. I do have something going on in, inside that uh, is open to the idea. And longs for it, in a way. And wants to dress in women's clothes. But, uh... It hasn't happened yet. I'm open to it. We'll see, what, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens down the road. You know, time will tell. Well, good news, folks. We made it through the whole hour. That's the end of the show. <coughs> Thanks for tuning in. I feel like this went pretty well for being uh, alone here. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at M-I-C-D-A-D-A-M. We're on Facebook. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to Tan Van Tour Talk on iTunes.com slash podcasts backslash tilde tan dash van dash tour dash talk dot html. and stitcher.com you can stream us from our website at www.honestweight.tumblr.com and tune in tomorrow when we have Advanced Base's own Owen Ashworth in the van and this will be way less weird thanks for listening we'll see you next time Good bye.